Up next, it's the fight of our lives as the Ricks do whatever it takes to review Avengers Endgame. That's right. It's time for our inevitable spoilerific review of what may be the biggest blockbuster of the year or even all time. All the epic battles, long goodbyes, and gobsmacking heroism. 11 years and 22 movies in the making. Man, that's a lot. Yeah. And it all starts right here, right now. On the one show where everybody's name is Rick. And everybody but Thanos rules the world. <laughs> Damn straight. Hi, Rick and Rick Nation. Thanks for joining us for the official Rick and Rick review of Avengers Endgame. I'm Rick Matheson, and I am joined, as always, by my good pal, Rick Wooten. Rick, I gotta say, so much for superhero fatigue, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, it... I, I've been looking at the numbers to this. I don't know if you've been yeah. tracking, but the projection is that at the end of the day today, they will hit $1.2 billion. Uh, and along the way, I think they're going to break every single metric in the past. They're going to be the fastest to a billion. They're going to have the biggest opening weekend. They're going to probably uh, you know, have the biggest movie box ever. Yeah, I think so, this is, uh, this is a, like a, a cultural touchstone now that I don't think we could have anticipated quite this big of an opening. China alone was $329 million over launch yeah, weekend. Yeah, that is the reason that this may be the biggest one ever is yeah. uh, if you go back to uh, Infinity War, when it originally came out, it was not live in China. So that the, the first, I don't know, remember what it was, first few weeks at least. Uh, it hadn't opened in China, and and so we saw a really strong, you know, second month because of that. In this particular case, it it opened worldwide, so we're getting you know all the hit up front, and so it'll be interesting to see where it nets out in the end. And and some folks are are estimating that it's going to be well over two billion dollars by the time it's done. Isn't that incredible? So I went the preview night. So I always like to go preview night if I can. Literally, the place was sold out. And I got to tell you, I don't know what it was like when you watched it. It was like standing ovations. There wasn't mm -hmm. a dry eye in the house for this movie. What was yeah. that that you were showing? Well, as, as we talked about before, I kind of lagged on this one. I don't know why I didn't get tickets earlier, but uh, part of it is because I'm picky and I wanted like a really good seat. And so I kept delaying, kept delaying, kept delaying. And uh, a lot of the theaters started adding extra showings. And uh, one of the ones here in town added a 10, 30, no, 1045 at night show, which means it wraps up at you know basically two in the morning yeah and so uh i i happened to stumble on it before anyone else and i literally got to pick the first seats that's awesome and so i picked the sweet spot that i wanted so i i technically saw it you know last night slash this morning right. uh and even even that late at night there were i could hear people like murmuring on, on all the really intense scenes people crying you know standing ovation like the whole thing people were just you know beside themselves with excitement over this movie yeah my showing was 9 30 so with the previews and everything i think i was leaving the theater around 1 a.m and to be honest with you if they had shown a 1 a.m i would have gladly stayed till four and watched it again back to back i thought yeah. it was so much fun for folks tuning in this is the 22nd film in Marvel's box office juggernaut, and it really does deliver a stirring conclusion to what has become, I guess, is now known as the Infinity Saga. I'm not sure that that's a good enough title for it because it kind of starts all the way back to 2008 when the Marvel Cinematic Universe really began with Robert Downey Jr. when he first did Iron Man. We fast forward 11 years, and as of today, so the last time we talked about this stat, it was 17 billion. As of now, it's 19 billion dollars. Wow. 
well in box office from this series. It's literally a film with no precedent. It's 10 different standalone superhero franchises, all interconnected within this single universe, and I'd point out, all propelled by a single overall story arc, and as Thanos might say, an inevitable conclusion. So your quick take, Rick, what was your initial response? Oh, you know, I I really, I really enjoyed the movie. I will, I mean, as we go through this, I'm going to get some criticisms. Sure. Uh, but those should be taken with a grain of salt because I really enjoyed the movie. I thought, you know, it, it's a challenge. Anytime you, I mean, The Matrix was a great example of this, right? You have like this amazing first movie. How do you follow it up and how do you end it? And here we had 22 movies. There's been nothing like this. So the amount of pressure to get this this movie right, to close this out and, and to not be corny, uh, was insane. And I think they did an amazing job doing it. If you think about this movie, if it had been just okay, then it would have colored our perception of all the preceding films. It would have been like, oh yeah, that was fun. Because this paid off in such a satisfying way, now it's legend. It is amazing. And I'll tell you, there's a piece of dialogue that pretty much sums up the objective of the filmmakers, because this was a tall order and it comes, you're going to remember right away, it comes when Captain America, he's rallying the troops and he says, you know your teams, you know your missions, no mistakes, no do-overs, look out for each other. This is the fight of our lives. That's what this movie was to the filmmakers who made it. They were either going to nail the dismount here or screw up the whole you know, franchise and uh, they did nail it. So let's talk about cast and crew real quick. What'd you think of the performances? You know, I, I honestly, I was very impressed overall. Did you catch that Joe Russo had I was going to ask you, yes. Joe Russo was the member of a support group for people struggling yes. with the aftermath of the great vanishing. Yeah, yeah. He played a, a gay partner who was in um, some kind of a therapy session with Captain America and, and working through his his upset. It was it was a great cameo. And I thought they did an amazing job. And um, one of the things, you know, I, I criticize uh, comic book movies about quite a bit is that ability to kind of carry the story and help people along, you know, if they haven't seen, um, you know, a specific movie before that or a comic book. And this is actually a movie I think could almost be carried on its own without yeah. the other ones yeah. because they did such a great job at doing the character building of every single person and what I, what I thought was fascinating and and it actually distracted me a little bit in the movie just because I was trying to figure it out is a lot of these scenes that they showed that were from previous movies or encounters or what have you almost look like the original filming but from a different angle yeah. and I, I kept wondering did they did they refilm these scenes for the movie or was this just another camera angle and they're bringing in and, and like the the great you know one with the guardians of the galaxy where you know he's dancing through that area and singing a song and you know you're seeing it from his perspective but then they cut to the people watching him and there's no music and nothing else and it just looks absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And I thought they did such a fantastic job at, like you said, spotlighting every single actor and actress and their character and making it make sense with one exception. And that was Captain Marvel. And I, yes. I thought the, the way they kind of brought Captain Marvel into it was a little bit weird. I mean, yeah. we just had the cameo recently, so that wasn't so bad, but, you know, in, in the end credits. But, you know, they, they kind of just dropped her into it and then, you know, only had her in and out here and there, which I thought was a little bit uh, jarring. I didn't feel like that one worked as well. But the rest of them, I just thought were completely spot on. Yeah, I was surprised by Captain Marvel for all the hype. You know, if you think last year, we had Black Panther a month before 
before Avengers Infinity War came out. So we we got to know him. Here he is in Avengers, and it all was organic. It felt natural for him to be there. For Captain Marvel, for all the hype going into Endgame, she had her movie debut last time, and then just appears, you know, Ex Machina to save Tony Stark, who's floating in space after the last movie, brings him back, then says, hey, you know, instead of helping you guys stop this whole thing from ever happening, I'm going to go fight the war instead of end it. So she disappears and then reappears. Out of, she, she even says, you're not going to see me for a long while. And then she appears Ex Machina at a key moment and pulverizes Thanos a, a bit. So that part was really weird. One, I think, who didn't get enough screen time, just given the storyline was Maybe Doctor Strange, just yeah. because he was so central to making sure that this one out of 14 million possible combinations of this you know whole thing playing out, that he used the Time Stone to see. I expected something. I mean, obviously he couldn't talk to Tony because at that point Tony is is down for the count. Right. But, but there, I felt like there was something missing there. So the movie's three hours long, folks. I had to go to the restroom a couple times because Rick knows how much I drink Coke Zero during movies, and I came back and I realized. I missed the elevator scene with Captain America and I and oh. from the Winter Soldier, and I loved it. I, I saw the fight with himself, but what yeah. happened in that elevator? Because I don't know. Oh man, I'm sorry you missed that. That yeah. was genius. There were um, I, I've read a couple articles where they're talking about how uh, this movie did this, and I think it did it really well, which is they captured moments that you would recognize from previous movies and reenacted them, but did it in the in the story. And you picked one of my favorite. So uh, so Captain America is trying to get the staff with the stone with the um, yeah, it's like the scepter, one? scepter, and I, yes. I think it was this the mind stone because they used it on exactly. uh, Vision last time. Right. And so, uh, long story short, Shield takes it away. He gets in the the elevator with them, and it is is the same people with the same elevator scene that was in Winter ah, Soldier. And so if you remember too. in that movie, you know, he looks around and, you know, it's like, hey, is this going to be easy or hard? And, he, you know, they get into this amazing fight. It's one of the, the best fight scenes of that movie. Yeah. And so, you know, here he is in Endgame, Captain America boards it, and, you know, they're like, you know, hey, what's going on? He's like, you know, look, I, I need to, to, you know, take the suitcase. And uh, they're like, well, you know, da-da-da. And he's all, well, Hail Hydra, right? Uh, and so he drops it, and and that, even that is kind of a throwback to the comics because there was a you know an evil Captain America that was part of Hydra. Right. But anyways, and so I was totally prepped for the fight scene. I was yeah. ready for the fight scene, and instead he just leaned over and said. Hail Hydra, and then they gave him the suitcase. It was like, wow, that was that was pretty cool. Another highlight for me, finally, this character's like finally got the screen time he deserved was the Hulk. So we, now we have the talking smart Hulk. And one of my favorite scenes is when they go back in time to try to get the stone that was present during the Battle of New York in 2012. And so he has to impersonate <laughs> himself. And so smart Hulk has to pose as raging Hulk and he didn't want to do it. He's like, this is gratuitous. And he's like half-heartedly throwing things around. Finally, that character got something to work with it was it was really great i love that scene i loved it he walked up to the car and he's like oh smash <laughs> just kind of bangs on the top of the the car for a moment and then picks up a motorcycle and kind of tosses it aside it just it, it reminds me of like you know every teenager 
Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, you know, hey, go, go, you know, take out the trash. And, you know, they're moping the whole way there. It was yeah. awesome. That was a great scene. I would say, you know, if I were ranking these, like Chris Evans, of course, he, to me anyway, personally, most valuable player, Robert Downey Jr. Really, you know, Tony Stark is the smarts and the passion of this series. Chris Evans, Steve Rogers, Captain America is its heart and its decency. Yeah. And he nailed the dismount there. Chris Helmsworth, obviously, we've talked about this before, most improved. I think in our review of Infinity War, I think I said uh, it seemed like Chris Helmsworth chopped off his hair and sprouted talent. Well, now he's brought back the locks, but added a beer belly, and the talent just keeps getting stronger. He was great in all of his scenes. Scarlett Johansson, I think, got under, got robbed a little bit. So she's gone to the planet to get the Soul Stone, the place where Thanos had thrown Gamora to her death in order to get that stone. And she's with Hawkeye. In this scene, you only can get the Soul Stone if you give up something that you love. One of them has to die. Only one person is going to be able to make that. I think these were the two exact wrong people to send on this mission. I think that Nebula, she knew what it entailed and probably could have said, you know, let's talk Captain Marvel and the Stang or someone with superpowers or someone who could fly. I think these are the wrong characters, but they each for different reasons sacrifice themselves, which is in many ways great. It just didn't feel like fully believable and or nor satisfying. And my understanding is she's going to be in a Black Widow standalone. I don't know if it's a flashback type thing or if she's gone to a different timeline or something. The rumor on that is it's going to be a a prequel. And and I agree with you on this scene. I I think that, um, you know, that that whole that whole section that or you know whatever subplot uh felt a little bit shy and and i i think it's because believe it or not there was probably more scenes yeah. that got cut yeah. because we saw uh even in the previews uh you know the commercials that they were showing her you know practicing with a gun it just there was a lot to the depth of how much she was suffering by everybody being gone and how much the world was on her shoulders. And they really neutered that down to just a very little amount that was actually in the movie. I suspect there's more on the cutting room floor that would have made that make more sense. It seems like Cap is the only person who's like, hey, he's able to help everyone in the optimistic way that he is. Tony, however, has made out okay. He and Pepper Potts have gotten married and they have a child, a daughter, Morgan. So he has a good life. There were scenes where it's seemed like society had fallen apart or was in the process of falling apart with 50% gone. But then you see the life that Tony's living and others living. It looks like they create high-end automobiles still, and they've got electricity and everything that anybody could want. There was a little bit of a disconnect there. eating dinner at restaurants and all kinds of stuff, right? Exactly, yeah. But then you'd see cityscapes where the plant life is is overgrowing. So there's a little bit of a disconnect. This is five years later, so the Avengers are suffering. They failed, really. And some of them are having a really hard time living with that when they discover that there's a possibility we can go back in time here and stop this from happening. Now, therein was a major weakness to the movie for me. They spent several scenes setting up the internal logic of how time travel is going to work in this uh-huh. and then proceeded to break it left and right uh-huh. and that threw it for me we, we even had the visual display of uh, Tilda Swinton she's the ancient one literally showing what would happen if they went back in time if they changed anything it's not you, you can't change anything you'll be creating a new right. timeline nothing in the movie suggested that new timelines were created all the changes right. and and cap deciding to stay back and enjoy his life did right. not feel genuine to the character and he knew when he was going back to replace the uh, stones, you know, at the exact moment that they were stolen, which would have been death-defying of itself, he decides to stay and lives his life, a full life. He's at the scene when 
then they come back toward the end of the movie, but he's now an 80, 90 year old man. It's a very touching scene. But most of the time you think about this stuff afterwards, I, in real time, I was like, wait a second. They just said that he can't right, he, he right. start a new timeline. And why would he be yeah. sitting there looking at the lake? This is this is my probably my biggest issue with the movie. And, and it it's uh, for a few reasons. Number one, it's so cheap. Like how many how many movies wrap up with uh, the whole, oh, it was just a dream or I'm going to go back in time and change everything or is it's just like come on guys you could you could have come up with something better than that so i was i was a little disappointed that and then i was hung up on on exactly what you're talking about which was the inconsistency between what they described what they said would happen and then what actually did happen so i i kind of wish they had chosen a different path other than hey it was all just a dream or you know travel back in time and fix everything and and that wouldn't happen i mean just you use the example of cap right i mean you can just you know kind of double click on that he went back in time he obviously changed the past by uh hooking up with asian uh, carter so therefore everything like the timeline they're in is either a different timeline right or you know they broke their own rules didn't we see peter parker go back to his high school and see his friends there five years later why would he be going to high school where all children disappeared that scene was like what do you what is going on here this is not making sense but if we put away that for a moment and just look at what they did what i did like about it is while they did go back in time and try and you know do this whole thing where you know, we're going to try and uh, change the future from the past kind of thing. They didn't do the cliche thing, which was to change the one moment in the past and see what happens in the future. Instead, they went and got things from the past and came back and changed the future. And they didn't change the future five years ago before the snap happened. They changed it now, yeah. which I thought was actually pretty good. I mean, if you're going to do that, at least at least go that direction. And, you know, so there were people who were still dead. There were people who were who'd still gone through the grieving. Um, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, how was it going to happen with, you know, people who moved on? And, you know, now all of a sudden their significant others back. There's 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 a lot of challenges with it, but I appreciated that they tried not to be too cliche, even though they were using a pretty cliche model of how to fix everything in the end. No matter what, they changed the timeline because Loki got away with the Tesseract for crying out loud. Um, Right. That's a huge thing that would have had monumental ripple effects through time. So if you think about the movie, it all starts to fall apart. But but as a movie going experience, it it was still just totally fun despite all that. All right. So final grades here, Rick. Man, that's tough. Yeah, here, here's why that's tough. Uh, if I was grading this movie without any context, I don't think I would give it as good of a grade as I would when I put this in perspective that they had to wrap up a 21, 22 with this one movie franchise, uh, which is a very difficult thing to do. And there are some notable plot holes, but trying to address those while addressing such a you know, a, an epic storyline. Um, so I'm going to give him a solid B plus. I'm going to okay. give him a B plus. Okay. I am going to, I think this is my first A minus. All of the wow. caveats that you just said were true. If I think about the movie at all, I think it, it doesn't even stand up. I mean, it's almost ridiculous, but, uh, but still the movie going experience was so satisfying that uh, I think this is the highest score that I've given in one of our reviews. You know, I just thought it was, I found it hugely and even improbably satisfying. I think just pulling it off, as you just said, yeah. a moment ago, really went a long way for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I'm struggling with this one just simply because 
um you know if we were if we were grading this without all the other movies i i think i would grade it lower yeah but yeah. Uh, they did such a fantastic job at wrapping everything up in a satisfying way hey listeners let us know what you think if you agree or disagree with us on our review of avengers endgame any parting thoughts rick before we close out here you know, go watch it. If you haven't seen it, please go watch the movie. If you have seen it, go watch it again. Let's uh, let's support this movie and get more like it. Because I gotta go see it again, and I, I can't miss the elevator scenes. So. Exactly. So thank you everybody for tuning in for this special review, and please always come back to the one show where everybody's name is Rick and everybody rules the world. Thanks so much, everyone. Mm-hmm.